This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into another episode of the Door Report. Switching things up a little bit here. I feel like we're more of a video focused. Uh, now, <laughs> Will's giving us the clap, and uh, it's just us. It's Will's time. giving us the clap. It's an incredible Ooh. way to start this live. <laughs> Cold open, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can count on Will for those for those exchanges. Uh, but uh, Florida preview. It is uh, it is time for the Door Report, episode 193. It is a Thursday night, November 17th. We are, as you just heard, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Family-owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville, Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors since 1995. Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue, over in Berry Hill, or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to their website. That's alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. All right, we got Trevor Hoolan, Will Byram with us here tonight for the Florida preview. We're going to get to players to watch for Florida. We'll talk about a little bit about A.J. Swan's status because that is up in the air this weekend. Will he play? Is he shut down for the season? We'll ask uh, that question. Three keys to victory, predictions, and Gator Dave. Uh, he just checked in on the video format, but he is coming up uh, here in the podcast format of the Door Report. Guys, Florida, how are we feeling? I mean, th- what's what's the mood? Where, where's the pulse right now? I like to ask Will that. Uh, I mean, wh- how are we feeling right now heading into Florida? That's a tough question. I think, like, cautiously optimistic is probably where I sit. I don't think you're fully expecting Vanderbilt to come out, have a repeat performance and upset Florida as a more than two-score underdog, again, just like they did at Kentucky. But I, I think you have some things to build on in the from the Kentucky game, and I think likely the blueprint to success is pretty similar because I think for the most part, uh, this Florida team is kind of built relatively similar to the Kentucky team. Mm-hmm. I think maybe even where they're built a little differently, the things that you need to accomplish to have success are still the same. Stop the run, win the line of scrimmage, keep their defensive line off uh, of your quarterback and open up consistent run running lanes and be able to control the ball in a cold weather game. And I think that sounds really simple when you lay it out like that. Uh, Florida's athletes are probably across the board better, uh, just raw athletes than Kentucky, uh, which is why 
I think cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. is the right mindset to be in Trevor. Uh, I think you were nodding along that probably that's where you're sitting as well. I'm exactly there as well. And I don't want to get as a fan. I feel like it's a little bit more acceptable, but I don't know. Um, I don't want to get uh, a sense of complacency because like I said, on the, um, on the Twitter spaces, my personal prediction or what I would like to find a success for this team was um, preseason, get three out of conference wins and one SEC win and in conference win. And to me, I think that would be a successful season (laughs) and they've done it. So I don't want to say anything from here on is um, sort of like a cherry on top because obviously you want to see them keep winning. Um, But I'm right there with Will. I think cautiously optimistic. I think there is something to say too, sort of um, maybe from a mental standpoint, finally getting that SEC win and sort of getting like the monkey off your back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's almost like a freeing sense, and you can go out there maybe from a player's perspective, um, even a coach's perspective, whenever it comes to play calling or drawing up schemes, maybe feel a little bit more um, willing to drop some big plays or play a little bit loose. Um, then again, I have no idea what the what the mindset is inside the locker room, but I'd have to think that plays a factor. Obviously, if you ask them in an interview, they're like, oh, it's just another – we're focused on this one just regular old coach speak, but I mean, you have to know that they're like, okay, it's, it's over. And so I think that does play a factor. So I think that's why I am cautiously optimistic as well as they might, they might come into an 11 o'clock kickoff with a little bit of juice, I think. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. And uh, it's obviously a morning kick. So I think that plays into it. The cold weather plays into it. Dave predicted a 47-point output for Florida. I don't know if that's – I mean, I'm not saying they can't get there, but with the weather, maybe some of the you know some, some of the conditions, who knows. But uh, we will talk all about this game. Vanderbilt, Florida coming up 11 a.m. Central time here in Nashville. Gator Dave, of course, coming up as well. Before we get to the Florida preview, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram, door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Florida preview. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors craftsmanship you can stand on all right here we go florida gators six and four right now overall three and four in the sdc they are a 14 point favorite i think that line started out maybe 16 15 now it's at 14 uh that is here in nashville vanderbilt's four and six one and five in the sec getting their first sec win last week the high is 44 last i checked the low is 24 so these aren't going to be favorable conditions for the Gators coming up all the way uh, from Florida. Florida has won back-to-back SEC games. They dominated A&M on the road, and then they pummeled South Carolina last week, 38-6. So they're playing really good football right now. I think you know you could put them up, up there at the top half, even top third of the SEC right now, the way they're playing. Uh, they dominated Vandy last year, of course. We all know how that went, 42 to nothing. Uh, in Gainesville. Uh, game is in Nashville this year, though. And guys, Florida has won 30 
of the last 31 meetings against Vanderbilt. It's it's crazy looking at the, the, the history of this series. Last time Vandy beat Florida, 2013. That was in Gainesville, and I know you guys remember that. That was Pat Robinette game, Jerron Seymour. I mean, they dominated Florida in Gainesville on that one. Last time Vandy beat Florida in Nashville, though, 1988. So, <laughs> bottom line, Vanderbilt doesn't beat Florida. That's basically what what I'm trying to say uh, in, in this one. Uh, although I'm not saying it can't happen uh, because I, I think, you know, right now Vanderbilt is playing better football, but are they playing better football to the level to beat a Florida team at home? Uh, most likely not, but we'll see. I mean, I said that last week. I mean, we, we came on here and, and I said pretty much the same stuff I'm saying right now uh, last week. So that that's where I'm at. I mean, that's where I'm at with it because, you know, I'm not saying – Vandy is going to go out here and they're winning. I'm putting my stamp on it. They're winning. But who's to say this isn't going to be a close, hard-fought, competitive game? I mean, I, I don't I don't know where the, you know, I know Gator, Gator Dave covers Florida. He does a great job. Uh, but I think the way Vanderbilt's playing, there's there's a lot of sleepers on Vanderbilt right now. I mean, it's it's the same thing as Kentucky. Anytime you you know Vanderbilt's weaknesses are going to be covering athletes on the outside and stopping explosive playmakers in a passing game. Like in parentheses, I'm saying the Tennessee preview is going to be a rough preview. <laughs> like we all know it as Vanderbilt fans. We do. We've watched this team. We know where the weaknesses lie. And we know that Florida's strengths from seeing Florida are play action pass and running the ball, dominating the line of scrimmage. And this year, that just doesn't scare Vanderbilt fans near as much as an explosive, you know, playmaking passing mm-hmm. game. That's why I was not as optimistic, even though I got talked into the hype of predicting the South Carolina win. Uh, that that game scared me because you have a five-star arm. Uh, Florida yeah. doesn't have that. Anthony Richardson, he's not that. That's not what Billy Napier and this Florida team want to do. Uh, and really, in just statistical categories, it's not like this Florida defense has been just dominant all year i mean this isn't the florida defense that's ranked in the top five top ten of every statistical category that's they've played really well against some bad offenses and they've gotten Uh, and and they do have talent and they have very 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 good athletes in that front seven and on that defensive line and that is where the fear comes from or or not fear but the potential for a come to Jesus moment for Vanderbilt yeah. fans saying this Kentucky win and getting that monkey off your back was great, but the athletes in the trenches, you have a lot of injuries along that offensive line for Vanderbilt. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of variables and like, I don't want to get too optimistic. And that's why I'm just trying not to talk myself into doing something crazy here <laughs> in this preview. So Trevor, Billy, somebody talk me off this ledge. It's just, I'm spiraling just, into. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> the guy to talk you off because I kid you not. Earlier, Trevor. Today, yeah, Trevor's like, not the guy for that. No, I am a. I am not rational. I'm not logical. <laughs> I was thinking earlier today. I was like, the boys might do it. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, I'm like, don't say it on the pod. So I, I hate it. Just I hate that you said that because I was I'm like, a big efficiency mm. stats guy, and everything oh, I dug oh, into this I've gap was not as up. big as I expected the gaps I, to be. And I hate I that you are notepad. justifying this insane thought that has been creeping into my mind since I started looking last night. <laughs> Will, we're on the uh, same wavelength because I was looking at their offensive and defensive success rate. And I don't want to get into my keys of the game right now, but 
<laughs> oh let's man, just, we're, we're getting we're getting a little too say. far. <laughs> a little too far. But I, I mean, I, I'm with you guys to an extent. Like I, we were saying the same exact things last week. All of us, all three of us. We did not preview Kentucky saying, "I think Vanderbilt has a shot." I think Trevor, you were, but so credit to you. But I mean, Will and I, we were sitting here saying, "Nope." I mean, this is a 34-17, 31-17 type game. So, yes, Kentucky and Florida are different teams, but I don't know that, I don't know how different they are. I don't know how much different these two teams are, but let's talk a little bit more about Florida. Players to watch, guys, of course, Anthony Richardson. And, of course, we'll learn more about Florida with Gator Dave. Uh, Will, you talked about it. He, you know, he hasn't thrown the ball particularly well, uh, but he has improved as of late. Uh, he's got 1,900, over 1,900 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's only completing 55% of his passes though. So, uh, you know, he, he's not a passer. He is a, he is a quarterback that is a phenomenal runner. You know, you don't point to his passing uh, ability. He is huge. He's six four, two hundred thirty 230 pounds, just a freak of nature. Uh, so obviously that's going to be a key in the run game, stopping him. Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne are, I think one of the better duos in the sec. I mean, uh, Johnson over 700 yards, Etn 567, rushing yards this year. And then on defense, the linebacker Dave mentioned, Amari Bernie, leads the team with four sacks, two interceptions on the season. So, uh, I mean, you look at Florida guys, they've got talent. I mean, I think this team as a whole is more athletic than Kentucky. You know, they're more talented. But to what degree? I think that's going to be a, a good – you know, we're going to get an indicator early of, okay, Florida's just more athletic and, and Vanderbilt can't do a whole lot. But, you know, I think early on if Vanderbilt gets a few stops – grabs a little bit of momentum, we could be thinking the same exact things we were in the Kentucky game in this game. We could. I'm not saying we will be, but there, there, there is that potential. Guys, before we get into three uh, keys to victory, though, A.J. Swan, uh, I mentioned at the top we're going to get to him. His status right now is questionable. Uh, I heard a rumor, uh, I'm not going to say where, that he hasn't practiced this week. So, you know, it's interesting because you look at where Vanderbilt is at this point in the season, and you start to ask yourself, is it really worth it throwing A.J. Swan out there for a third time after his second concussion and risking a potential, you know, awful injury for his future? Uh, Clark Lee said, as of right now, he's questionable. I think we need to see whether or not he's able to get back in time to prepare and to be able to play at a level that helps us to win. So the question I ask you guys is, should Vandy ride Mike Wright to, to close out this season, see what he can do, try to replicate the success against Kentucky, or do you try to throw Swan out there Maybe pick off a of Florida with, with, with Swan's arm. I mean, what they prove they can they can win an SEC game with Mike Wright. I mean, and that was a statement. So, what what say you guys on that, Billy? We we know the answer. We we know the answer. Trevor knows the answer. Ever the opponents know the answer. AJ Swan will not be seeing the field the rest of this season. Uh, this team is not going to risk what is potentially, and he is remember currently a true freshman. And what is the end goal? of this season for AJ Swan. The end goal is to get him reps to build for the future and get more comfortable in the offense. Well, he's certainly not going to, that's not going to matter if he gets a third, fourth concussion. Uh, and you brought up the name already from the uh, 2013 win against Florida, the most recently Pat and Robinette. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a guy that his career was ended due to multiple concussions. Yeah. Um, and he had a bright future, obviously. I think he's actually Dr. Robinette now. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so things worked out. Okay. Um, but AJ Swan, I mean, it's not worth the risk and it would be one thing if you're talking about legitimately this being a make or break season, it's not, uh, they're already, you know, have probably exceeded their win total expectation. And on top of everything else, 
I think the biggest written off portion of this is you not only have Mike Wright there, who is more than capable and is was the starting quarterback to begin the year anyway in a tight competition. You also have Ken Seals as a backup quarterback, who is probably the most experienced third string quarterback in the entire NCAA, I would argue. So there's absolutely no need to risk injuring A.J. Swan, like decreasing the potential value of him in the future as your quarterback. And really the end goal is just to get him a few more reps in games that you're probably going to lose anyway. Uh, And I don't think he necessarily adds another win to the season. And even if he adds one more win, what's five and seven versus four and eight? In all actuality, you're building for the future anyway. So I think that Trevor and you probably have a pretty similar opinion, but they're not going to come out and say that because it makes the 5% of the opponent prepare for a different style of quarterback. And there's no need to actually come out with an honest report uh, of the injury in college provides no advantage. I would assume. Yeah. I mean, similar opinion there. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's really a whole lot else to say. I just, I, I phrased that, that question that way, just because, um, you know, we don't know how healthy or not healthy AJ really is, uh, you know, rumors are rumors, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason, there's no reason to put AJ Swan out there. Uh, then again, this team has been unpredictable all season long. So, <laughs> I mean, it, this has been an impossible team. Uh, to predict what's going to happen. So, uh, Trevor, as I know a, you agree, though. As a fan, too, I would personally, I would be really, really disappointed um, in the coaching staff if I saw AJ Swan trot out there. Like on a, yeah, it's like just, on a fan it's a level, as a human level, I the would risk reward, like take it's out every, just take out everything and just look at things logically and like human being He's level, and even your yeah. risk reward from take it out, look at it from an investment perspective. Your best case is another forty reps on offense of game action, and your worst Maybe. case scenario is ending his career. So, yeah, like, exactly. the risk-reward does not balance out. At this point, hey, I, this, is a, this is a human being issue. It's not even a football issue, really. I yeah. mean, let's keep the kid healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you also, know, that, that's, that's what it's about. Candace, somebody, Chancellor Deermeyer, get rid of the turf. Go back to regular grass, please. <laughs> it's unsafe. Like, it causes – it results in a ton of concussions. Like, please just – Let's just go back to regular grass. I'm I'm begging. Let's I just, just go it back doesn't, to normal. It doesn't. I I agree with you, but Vanderbilt's not going to do that. They're not going to. If do you that. if you guys are listening, you have <laughs> you don't care what I'm saying, but please go back to normal grass. They just replaced the turf. It's. <laughs> I I know. I'll, I'll clip this, Trevor. I, what I'll do, I'll clip this, and then we can tag Candice Lee on Twitter. See what happens. Please. <laughs> Okay, Please. guys. We'll see if that if Candice Lee uh, accepts that from, from Trevor. But let's, get, let's get into three keys to victory here. And uh, well, I know it's usually you and I. We got a, an extra perspective here on the three keys with Trevor. So uh, a little bit quicker, but uh, it, this is uh, this is never short. Uh, but let's start. I will start with my first key here, and it is load the box. I mean, it, it's pretty simple against this Florida run game. Awful matchup for Vanderbilt's defense as I look at it. Uh, Florida's averaging six yards per rush. That's second in the country behind UCLA, who's averaging 6.2. They're averaging 226 rushing yards per game. That's second in the SEC behind only Ole Miss. 
They've got three players who average at least six yards per carry. I mean, the, the rushing numbers are, are eye-popping. Uh, they've got one of the hottest rushing games in the country. Play action, guys, it, it did hurt Vanderbilt a little bit against Kentucky, I thought. Not not to an extent of, of uh-oh, this has had a, an impact in the game. This is why Vanderbilt might lose because they ended up winning the game. But as much as you have to load the box against Florida, they they you got to maintain coverage downfield to not allow Richardson – to carve you up and play action because I think if you're Florida you know Vanderbilt's going to load the box like you you know you're not if you're Napier you know what Vandy's going to try to do so can you counteract that Vanderbilt has to be aware of that with Richardson Will you talked about his skills and the play action and not only can he run the football but if you shut down his ability to run he can beat you with his arm I know that's not his calling card but I mean he's made some throws this year in the Tennessee game where I mean, I was like, holy crap, what, what, what a throw, just him fitting it into different different areas. But, you know, he does have seven interceptions. He only completes 55% of his passes. So I would say he's streaky. He's streaky as a passer. So Vanderbilt should be able to jump on that, maybe maybe cause a few turnovers. I think you got to make Richardson beat you with his arm, though. I mean, Will, it's the Matt Corral thing. You know, we said make make not Matt Corral. Uh, who's the quarterback at Ole Miss now? Jackson Dart. Jackson, Jackson Dart. Dart make make <laughs> Dart beat you with his arm, not the Ole Miss running game and and their legs. So, uh, we know Florida wants to run the football. Make them throw. That's easier said than done, though. So, um, number one, guys, I think y'all agree. Load the box because you know if you're not able, they, they've got they're huge up front. If you're not able to stop that run, you've got no shot. So load the box, and uh, but also you got to maintain coverage with, with Richardson because he can beat you with his arm. Well, I'm going on the other side for my key number one. I agree with agree with yours, but I've got to go in the order here, and I, like I have it. this starred highlighted. Is this game? Is it's going to be irrelevant if Vanderbilt's offensive line allows Florida's defensive line to disrupt? the initial action on all of their read action stuff with Mike Wright, who I'm assuming is going to be the quarterback, even though, like you said, anything can happen. The offensive line, my key number one is hold your own against this Florida defensive line. That doesn't mean that you have to do what you did against Kentucky. This Vanderbilt offensive line, as much as the defense did it as well, and the defense played outstanding, but that offensive line was able to consistently move the Kentucky defensive line forward for two three yards ray davis was able to pick up those two three four yard gains on first and second down and that was that allowed vanderbilt to pick up first downs put together those 12 15 play drives i don't know if that's as possible against this florida uh defensive line they're just going to be able to occasionally disrupt and have guys burst through and create negative plays so just not allowing as many negative plays as south carolina south carolina allowed I think I referenced it when Gator Dave was on here that 22% of uh, South Carolina's offensive plays were disrupted uh, in the backfield by Florida's front seven. So and that's a big percent. That, that cannot yeah. happen. One out of four plays for Vanderbilt's offense cannot be disrupted. They can't have those second and 13 situations. Those second and 13, third and 10, those are recipes for turnovers. Mike Wright has shown that that can happen. And that is what this Florida team has been living on is winning that turnover margin consistently as they've been performing better. And like uh, we kept talking about the last six quarters. So my key number one, prevent that Florida front seven from uh, disrupting your action early uh, in that read option play. Trevor, first key yeah. of the podcast season, what you got? Ran first out of key. <laughs> I, 
you're going to need um, other playmakers in the passing game other than Will Will Shepard because what's going to happen is I think he's going to get bracketed or they're going to have constant help over the top. Um, So my first key is I think whether it be um, Skinner or Carter or Jaden McGowan or even Ray Davis in the pass game, um, you're going to have to have somebody else who can haul in passes not named Will Shepard. Um, of course, Will's the top dog. He's wide receiver number one. I think he's the type of guy that even if he's covered, they're going to throw it to him because they have that sort of trust in him, and they rightfully should. Um, but you're going to have to have somebody else uh, make plays. I would I would like to see um, Ben Bresnahan or Gavin Schoenwald make some yeah. plays across the middle, which I think we've seen a little bit more of that recently with a little bit more of the middle opening up. Um, I think – that's a byproduct of whenever you set guys in motion like Carter or like Skinner or like Jaden McGowan, it creates mismatches and it creates open space. And I think whenever you do have those pre-snap motions, um, it opens up a lot of the middle of the field for somebody like Schoenwald or Bresnahan. And so, yeah, my first key of the game is whenever it comes to the passing game, you're going to have to have a lot of guys in the supporting cast uh, play a really, really big role. All right, Billy, first, I, I know you were supposed to be this, but my key number two is like the same thing that he just said. So I can go <laughs> ahead and just say my key number two, continue Bresnahan's production okay. that you saw really for the first time. Get Skinner Jr. He's got to be continuously involved. Yep. So that's my key number two. There was no Love point in, in going to you and then going to me to try to remind people what Trevor was saying. So you can Way to be ahead of the game. On this one. Way to be ahead, Will. <laughs> Thinking ahead, literally of written written down word for word is like Chats exactly not, continue Quincy Skinner Jr.'s production and involve others. That was so me and Will steal, steal my thunder, Trevor. Once again. <laughs> All right, here we go I, for my second one. Protect the football. F- Florida has a very good secondary. They got a lot of depth back there. Eight interceptions on the season. That's third in the conference. And they, they Rashad Torrance, Trey Dean. They are skilled. Back there, I mean, they, they've got a couple really good safeties, so it's going to be tough to throw the football. Uh, Florida's defense ranks first in the SEC with takeaways. They got 19 takeaways this season. They forced 11 fumbles. This team, they feed off turnovers, guys. I mean, Vandy had they, they weren't. I mean, they had two turnovers, but they didn't. It didn't cost them last week, so they didn't let the turnovers kind of bog them down. Uh, and and they were the defense was able to step up. So you need to do that, but. Uh, you had the Shepard fumble and then Mike Wright's interception. Those weren't disastrous. I mean, you start the game off with a Shepard fumble. Defense gives you, gives you the ball back. Uh, and then Mike Wright's interception, that was brutal. I mean, I think we can agree on that. Shepard really, I mean, he wasn't even looking for the football, so you obviously can't have that. But you can't have it in crucial situations. You You can't have it in the second half where, you know, you're in the red zone and you throw a red zone interception or – you know, you, you fumble the football deep in your own territory. You know, I think Vanderbilt did a good job of that against Kentucky. You, you didn't have the turnovers in awful spots. Like that interception, yeah, it's probably, you know, you don't love the interception there close to, to the end zone, but at the same time, you were able to bounce back from that. So loading the box also causes pressure, which, you know, at the same time, Florida, they're going to do that. They're going to force pressure on Mike Wright. So, like I said, guys, Vandy's got to protect the football. I mean, this, this is what Florida does. They create turnovers, and, uh, you know, if Vanderbilt has a multiple turnover game or, you know, even even more than that, 
you really you put yourself out of it. Now, I will say though, if you, if if you have a couple turnovers like the Kentucky game, like you start the game off with a fumble and you're able to bounce back, and then you know you can turn the ball over, but don't let it cost you. You know, but even if you do, you're not you're not giving yourself a chance, especially against this Florida team that I think is going to score. Like I think this is probably going to be a high scoring game. So number two for me, guys, protect the football. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, you don't have a prayer. Trevor, you're up. I, All right. You already stole my key number two with the production <laughs> I, on the outside. So I'm, I can just repeat it. But the production from Quincy Skinner Jr., he's been doing it the last couple of games and then just continued tight end involvement. Uh, my key number two. I mean, exactly what your key number one was. So we really let's are. hear your we, key number two and see if you steal my minds, key number three. Great minds think alike. Um, I think uh, – and it, it's so obvious, but whenever you really – it's a cliche because it's true. Um, you're going to have to – um convert on third down um i think particularly i don't want to get nfl involved but my eagles played the commanders on monday night football people kept talking about oh the run game's gashing the runs game's gashing them i the commanders only averaged like i think 3.2 yards a carry which isn't that good but they converted an ungodly amount of third downs um right now vanderbilt is ranked i believe 66 in the nation uh 68 sorry 68th in the nation in third down conversion which isn't terrible actually but isn't like awesome either at uh 37.8%. I think whenever if you can stay ahead of the sticks and you can convert those third downs um I know Will has a, has a take on time of possession. I think when you can do that it's going to pile up that time of possession. I think the longer you keep that Florida offense on the sideline in the cold I think that's going to give you a greater success of, or give you a greater chance of success. Well, I just think time of possession is one of those that it means something sometimes, but it's yeah. like not a stat that people like to point to that as like this all encompassing stat of so game flow. Yes. I'm like, there are some like, teams that, that truly, yeah, it doesn't matter like at all. Like you could dominate matter. the yeah. time of possession against Tennessee and you yeah. can still lose by 50. Yeah. It doesn't Kentucky matter, but against last year, but against a team like Florida lost, or yeah. against like Kentucky last week, time of possession does matter more because, yeah. uh, like, like you mentioned, but Billy, yeah, uh, in a I game like that, key number three here, yeah, in a game like that, that's when it matters. I mean, yeah. a Vanderbilt Kentucky type of slugfest, that's exactly. when you look at time. That of was possession. my key number one, uh, How going into it? the Kentucky game, shockingly enough. Shockingly enough, my third key is the same exact key as Trevor's second. So we're we're on the. This is how you know we know what we're talking about. Um, it's it's convert on third down. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Thirty eight percent on third downs uh, this season for Vanderbilt. Not great, but the last three games they're forty six percent. So they they've been better as of late. They've been competitive in their last three games. A common theme there. When you're converting on third down, if you're Vanderbilt, you're you're competing in games. I know the opponent has been de- a little bit different than Ole Miss, Georgia, and Alabama, but still, I mean, you know, you're playing SEC teams and you're converting on third downs. You give yourself a shot. Uh, Eleven of sixteen on third downs last week. That's pretty damn good. I mean, sixty-six percent. So if you do that against Florida, obviously their defense. I don't know how much better. I mean, I don't know that Florida's defense is is that much better than Kentucky's. I mean, we, Kentucky has a Kentucky didn't didn't play. I think what they're capable of of performing, the level they're they're capable of performing against Vanderbilt. That that, that Kentucky defense. I know they gave up points against Tennessee. They've given up points to other people. I just I'm not convinced that Florida defense is 
as better as we might think it is, you know, as, as better than Kentucky as we might think it is. Um, so obviously it starts in the run game uh, for Vanderbilt. Uh, if you get to third and five instead of third and long, you set yourself up for success. I mean, that's what they did at Kentucky. Florida's given up 180 rushing yards per game. So I think Vanderbilt, you look at the stats, they should be able to run the football. Um, but if you can't block, if you can't create those, those holes and get that push, you're, you're not going to be able to. Uh, big X factor in this game, can Vanderbilt keep their success on the ground going? I mean that they were they you they dominated the run game against Kentucky, which surprised me. Uh, Florida has been better as of late, though. They they give up only 140 rushing yards uh, in their last three games. Bad thing is South Carolina only rushed for 44 yards last week against Florida, so it's not going to be easy. I think Florida's defense has improved, but I do think there is a path for Vandy to find success on the ground, especially if Mike Wright plays. So I mean. And he's he's going to play. I don't know. I don't think it's an if at this point. I mean, what Vanderbilt did last week with Mike Ray Davis getting Jay McGowan involved, I think you've got a little bit of a of a uh, you know a blueprint to to win an SEC game there. That's not you know that's not future down the road next year. That's this year maybe picking off Florida. I mean that's what we're looking at. So uh, I'm with you, Trev. Convert on third down, but that starts in the running game. You know, if you can't run the football, you're going to have third and longs, and you're going to have to put Mike right in throwing situations, and we don't want that. Yeah, Billy, you, uh, I like that word you used, blueprint, because yeah. that's my key number three is you already have the blueprint 1.0, but you've got to fix it for 2.0 against a more athletic, yeah. uh, more, I, I don't want to say better defense, like I keep, but more yeah. athletic. They have better athletes, higher rated athletes, guys that are going to do more reps of 225 that are going to run a faster 40. So you, you have to do some of the things that you did in the Kentucky game punch them in the mouth early, a big play on offense. Don't give up big plays. You gave up one big play on that Rodriguez run and you felt that momentum swing. Other than that, you really controlled the flow of that Kentucky game. And that's not something you've seen a Vanderbilt football team do in a long time in an SEC game. Feel like you were in control. Now, the things you can't do against this Florida team are turn the ball over twice early. If you have an early fumble and a red zone turnover, red zone bad interception into bad into a bad decision from Mike Wright into double coverage coverage, that is not going to result in a win because this Florida team is just a notch up right now from how yeah. from how Kentucky was playing. I think right now this Florida team is clicking a little bit more. But I think if you can get one, two big plays early, don't give up big plays on defense. I mean, you're in for a slugfest with a team that wants to control the clock, control the ball. Uh, and that's a recipe to hang in that game, stay in there. The cold weather, 11 a.m. kickoff, the longer and uglier you can make this game the and better. keep it within one, two scores, the better it is for Vanderbilt. Uh, so I think that's what the Vegas line tells you is the expectation is kind of a long, ugly, drawn-out game with some shitty weather at 11 a.m. on SEC Network. That's a dream. Yeah. If you're Vanderbilt, that's what you want. That's what you thrive in. That's Clark Lee. I mean, that that's what this team is just built on. So and my key number three is you have the blueprint 1.0. I mean, you've just got a 2.0, get rid of the turnover part of it, and you have a recipe for success. Trev. Yeah. My key number three is Matt Hayball. Whenever it comes to special teams, it's going to have to have a game. Uh, if you can't if you can't convert on offense, I think you're going to need Matt Hayball to pin him deep and cough and corner him. 
because uh, whenever you look at Florida's offensive success rate, I know we were talking about it earlier, they have an offensive success rate of 37.7. Vanderbilt has an offensive success rate of 40.4. So analytics, Vanderbilt has the edge whenever it comes to offensive success rate. So what does that tell you? It's stuff that we've already talked about tonight. What Florida, how Florida butters their bread is explosive plays. Typically, they, of course, they can do it, but they don't make their money on these long 80 yard methodical right. drives. It's normally one hitter quitters. And so I think if you can pin them deep and if you can somehow, by the grace of God, eliminate explosive plays, I think you have a shot. And I think that comes with Matt Hayball on his leg. I, I like that. I, I mean, that I remember. I, I made Hayball uh, hey one of my keys early in the season, Will, and, and I got some hate from Joseph West on uh, <laughs> Twitter uh, and, and some other people. But I do think in a game like this and for Vanderbilt, you know, if this was any other team, you probably wouldn't be talking about your punter. But since you are Vanderbilt at this point in the Clark Lee era, your punter plays a big role. I mean, look at the Titans right now, what uh, Stonehouse has been able to do and impact the game. Your punter can flip the field and, and make an impact. So uh, I, I like that. I like that hayball uh, hay key there. So hayball making an, another impar- appearance here in the keys <laughs> here. So, guys, let's get to predictions, though. Uh, we, I know we got the Titans here to, uh, to finish up watching. And, uh, Will, 7 nothing, right? Uh, I know. Came out early, down. drove down hey, we in got the you. snow in Lambeau up 7-0. Got we the, got the uh, Packers on third, the third down right <laughs> yeah, now. Think, hopefully you took the under in that one tonight. And, uh I, uh, I, I'm not going to take the under in Vandy, Florida, though. Guys, I, I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. Here's why. Statistically, both defenses rank toward the bottom of the conference. So I think you're going to have a shootout. I know the weather will play a factor, but Florida is 12th in the SEC in total defense. They, they're giving up 421 yards per game. Vandy's dead last in the SEC in total defense, which we are aware of. They're giving up 458 yards per game. Florida is allowing 27 points per game. That's 11th in the SEC. Vandy's allowing 35 points per game. So I, I just look at statistically, and a lot of times, sometimes I, I don't go straight off stats, but I, I just think with with both defenses really, I mean, stat, you could say Florida has you know a hot defense per se, like their rushing attack is right now, but I don't know that their defense is good per se. I mean, you look at the stats, they're bottom of the SEC. Um, so I know stats don't always tell the whole story, but both these teams are giving up over 160 rushing yards per game as well. And both of these teams are going to run the football. So you could see some big plays in the run game from both teams. I think you're going to see a big Mike Wright run. I think you'll see Anthony Richardson have success in the run game and their two running backs. Success in the run game is going to be huge. If, if Vanderbilt, you know, whichever defense is able to find a way find a way to to not give up those huge chunk plays you're probably going to win this game i mean that that this game in this game revolves around running the football this game in particular so in their seven games against teams outside the ap top 25 vandy's averaging 33 points per game and i know the the teams they played outside the ap top 25 haven't been world beaters but you still look at it 33 points per game against anybody's not bad florida is not in the top 25 I think Vandy will score, but can they stop the Gators' rushing attack? I'm I'm not convinced they can. Again, I said a lot of these same things last week, guys. So I'm I'm hesitant to to predict a dominant Florida win, but 
I'm going to go with a 10-point victory for Florida. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think you hit the over. Florida 38, Vandy 28. I think Vandy covers the 14 with a late touchdown. And I, I think there, I think we're going to see some points, guys. I, I just I, I do. I think this is a different style Florida team than Kentucky. You know, that they want to, you know, yes, they want to run the football, but they will surprise you with the way they also want to throw the football, you know, with some of their receivers shorter and Pearsall. They don't have eye-popping numbers, but they will throw the football as well. So I've got Florida 38, Vandy 28. Yeah, any con- preconceived notions or ideas that I had about predicting a Vanderbilt win, that was fun to toy with. But <laughs> in all actuality, my real prediction boils down to two things. Number one, if this is a game of back and forth, big plays and big runs, that does not bode well for Vanderbilt. Florida's playmakers and athletes are so much better individually. They're just going to make more big plays if that's how the flow of the game goes. Yep. The other part of my prediction is Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt's defense and stopping running quarterbacks and quarterbacks that have an ability to extend the play, get out of the pocket, and make plays with their legs. In the past, recent history, Vanderbilt, not a lot of success stopping that. I think Richardson is the X factor. I think he runs. But I don't think that Florida's passing game is good enough to get one to go for really 40 years, Billy, 31, Vanderbilt, 17. I don't see Vanderbilt putting up a lot of points here. So pretty much exactly on the Vegas over-under and the Vegas line. Well, can you repeat that? Uh, I think you cut out a little bit, but repeat that score. Just just the numbers. Okay. 31 31 to 17. 31-17. Gotcha. Just just making sure. So like right at the Vegas over under. Yep. Was you had 34. Did you have 34-17 last week for for Kentucky Vandy? I'm trying to think if that was me or you or not. That's a good question. Uh, I've already forgot I've already forgotten that one. Once Vanderbilt won that game, I erased my lost prediction out of my head <laughs> and was just filled with joy. Every score prediction runs together, honestly. Yeah, they're all <laughs> Trev, the what you got? Well, I totally agree about Anthony Richardson. I remember I was tweet I forget who it was. Um, but somebody was tweeting with me a couple weeks ago. And it was I, I was talking about how I thought Vanderbilt's most winnable games were South Carolina, Missouri, and they were like, "What about Florida?" And I said, "I don't think so because I think Anthony Richardson runs around like a gremlin, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I think they have to limit that." With that being said, I I think this is going to be a run heavy game on both sides. I think it's I think the game's going to go by really quick. Um, as much as I as as much as my heart's telling me to pick the doors, I think we're going to see something like. I wrote down Florida thirty four, Vanderbilt twenty eight. I'm kind of with you, Billy. I kind of think that Vanderbilt scores maybe, not a a garbage time touchdown, but maybe a late touchdown to make it a little bit closer. Um, but yeah. Give me Florida 34, Vanderbilt 28. Okay. Okay. I feel like we're last week it was pretty similar. I mean, I'm I picked a 10-point victory uh to this week, but we'll we we're kind of on the same wavelength here. Trevor's the optimistic guy. So I feel like we need that as a podcast. I don't want to sound pessimistic, 
but part of me can just see this Florida defensive line just eating Vanderbilt's O-line alive. Just just the pure athletes that they have yeah. with the injuries. I mean, how, they've literally the got thinness, a 450-pound man. Yeah, I mean, that that's what scares me. It's what, I, it's, it's what we always talk about, Billy, is Vanderbilt can beat Missouri or Kentucky, but there's a different level of that athlete that's just you run the 40 at this, you squat this, that scheming can take away, and it's just God's gift. Yeah. And right now, the state of the programs, and just traditionally, Kentucky doesn't have as many of those guys. Vanderbilt has almost none of the. It's like, well, Vanderbilt has a few. It's like Orgy. It, it's, Anthony Orgy is a, he's a freak of, of nature. It's yeah. just Florida has a lot of guys that are like that, that are those absolute freak of nature guys, and that's what Clark Lee and Barton Simmons are trying to recruit in. But right now, there are just some games that, for whatever reason, that that Florida player puts on that helmet that day, and he just will be able to dominate the game, especially uh, I think that Ben Cox, Castillo are still out uh, in this Florida game. And Hanson specifically was brought up by Blazik. Yeah, uh, in some of the po- or pregame comments, but he's got to continue pr- performing well. But I just don't know if I'm as positive as Trevor to be able to put up 28 points uh, with the current state of the offensive line. I think if it's a bloodbath, I think I forget who said it earlier. I think it was one of you guys said it earlier. Um, but I agree, if it's a bloodbath, I think you're going to know in in the first couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, you, I, you'll pretty you'll quick. know immediately. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you'll know pretty quick, and I just think both these defenses have really struggled. But I, I do, I don't love that twenty-eight point output. Well, I just think you know maybe you get a late touchdown, maybe uh, because this Vanderbilt offense. I mean, let's let's face it, they have played better as of late. I mean, I know you're playing Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, but that running game last week, what we saw, I'm very intrigued to see. Was that a fluke? I mean, was did that Kentucky defense play that bad, or is this Vanderbilt team finding something legitimately? You know, did they just find something? It's like, you know, you hit on you hit on something really good there, Billy. I think that this Vanderbilt team really has nothing to lose unless they get absolutely obliterated in this game. But they have everything to gain. I mean, Mm -hmm. if they come out and have success, like you're saying, Trevor, and have running game success again against this Florida defense, and you say that's two weeks in a row against what was perceived as pretty solid front sevens, not great, but pretty solid. And you have success two weeks in a row. You can be sitting there saying we might we might have found something. You can yeah, gain it, I mean, but I don't think the expectations on the outside are, oh, if Vanderbilt loses this game by twenty eight points, everything is lost that they gained in that Kentucky game. I don't think that's the case. So I think you're probably sitting in a pretty good spot, yeah, as good I mean, as you can possibly be, or or could have been expected going into these last two games. And with the weather, you throw the weather in there; it's going to be in the thirties probably for most of the game. I was talking to Clark this week. He said uh, off air, he, he goes. The colder, the better. I mean, so that they 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 love it. Vandy loves it. They just played in basically a snowstorm in Lexington. So, and you're bringing up a team from Florida. I, I mean, what's the coldest weather Florida's played in this year? Uh, I mean, what a game, you know, a, against I don't even know who the who they've played that that might be a cold atmosphere. But I mean, they're coming up to Nashville. So, and it's going to be in the 30s. So I think that will play an impact. But that makes Florida probably want to run the ball even more. So that is what scares me. So there's certain things that that scare me with this matchup. There's other things that I say, hey, maybe, maybe Vandy found something. So uh, guys, that'll do it for uh, episode 193. It's Vanderbilt and Florida, 11 a.m. Central Time Kick, SEC Network. Vandy is only a 14-point underdog. I mean, I thought that might be, I think Vegas likes what they saw last week, guys, and they're at home. 
30 degree weather, they see something. So, and I think they, uh, they may have heard something about Mike Wright potentially probably playing in this game. Uh, we, we love the saying Vegas knows something we don't. Uh, but uh, guys, that'll do it. Episode 193 for Trevor Hoolan, Will Byram. I'm Billy Derrick. You've been listening to episode 193. Coming up, Gator Dave, though. Stay tuned. Gator Dave of Gators Breakdown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into the Florida preview edition of the Door Report. We're mixing it up a little bit uh, for this episode. We do have David Waters. He's known as Gator Dave from Gators <laughs> Breakdown. He's he's the best covering the Gators. Uh, of course, we got Trevor Hulin up there in the top right, known as Hack Squat Jim Duggan on Twitter. Will Byram as well. Of course, he he is with us tonight. So, Will, it's it's interesting. We're starting with the interview, so we're going to go ahead and hop in with with Gator Dave here for this uh this weekend's preview vanderbilt and florida dave how you doing thanks for checking in i feel like we've been doing this now the the last couple years a little bit of a tradition now that uh that vanderbilt and and uh and florida are going at it this saturday yeah absolutely thanks for having me again and uh looking forward to florida's trip to to nashville definitely will be uh florida's coldest game of the season by far (laughs) so uh billy napier doesn't even want to talk about it at his monday press conference like you know what we can't control the weather we might as well not even talk about it uh so you know can't really prepare for it in Florida unless they want to go in the indoor and crank the AC down a good, a good bit. But we'll see what Florida <laughs> comes up with uh, on Saturday. David, I, I want to start with uh, Anthony Richardson at the quarterback position. And we're going to ask you, you know, about uh, really everything involved in Florida this year. But it starts with him. I mean, he had that that season opening performance against Utah, a Heisman-like performance. And then, you know, he's been kind of up and down. So how would you evaluate what you, you know, covering Florida ha- ha- has seen from him and, and uh, kind of how the fans view him at this point as the, as the Gators quarterback. Yeah, as you said, it's been a roller coaster with Anthony Richardson. And, of course, all eyes were on him that opening weekend in college football and in the big win versus Utah. And he's putting up highlight plays and pirouetting and stiff-arming and spinning around and completing passes and 80-yard runs. And, uh, you know, we haven't got that game in and game out from Anthony Richardson this season. And he's just uh, – Last few games, I mean, it's now four straight games in a row. He hasn't thrown an interception. Uh, so he, that's where progress has been. He, he was a turnover machine there uh, toward the beginning of the season. Uh, he didn't throw a touchdown pass to the Tennessee game uh, there. If you if you go back and look at that, then it was just kind of piling up interceptions. And uh, we actually talked about uh, that him with him on Wednesday night. I, I hosted a Gator Collective event with him. And he was like, yeah, he goes, it, Napier's not going to stand for it. You know, he, he let me know, like, hey, these turnovers cannot continue. You know, you, that's just uh, go back to Billy Napier's days at Louisiana. They excelled in turnover margin. Uh, and that's kind of how Florida's been playing the last month or so. You know, get a lot of turnovers on defense and not so many on offense because Anthony Richardson's not turning the ball over. So, now we're, we're not getting the – of course, he was thrown into the Heisman conversation. He's still getting NFL draft love. The Heisman conversation, of course, went, went out the window week two <laughs> when he couldn't yeah. follow up that Utah performance uh, the next week versus Kentucky. Uh, so that was the worst performance. That's the worst I've ever seen Anthony Richardson play. That was the absolute floor uh, was week two versus Kentucky. So we got really good week one. We got really bad week two. And then kind of in between since then. So, uh, uh, you know, and 
Vanderbilt fans probably don't want to hear this. He's actually played better on the road than he has in the swamp. So uh, that's uh, <laughs> something a feather he can put in his cap this year. Dave, I, I know Trevor and Will, they, they got a couple for you as well, but I, I got one for, from last week's game, South Carolina. Of course, Vanderbilt, that was their opponent a couple weeks ago, uh, and it was interesting. South Carolina uh, w- was able to have some success with Rattler and that offense. Uh, they did not against Florida. Florida shut them down. They didn't have an offensive touchdown. Of course, they had that one Beamer ball play where you know they <laughs> scored on a – I think it was a fake punt. So for, for that game last week, I mean, how impressive was that? It, for you know, from, from your perspective, we know South Carolina is – is it probably more comparable to Vanderbilt at this point? But they beat Vanderbilt, and then they go and get pummeled by Florida. Of course, it was in the swamp. So, did that did that show you anything about this Florida team? Uh, you know about where where they're at right now? Yeah, maybe maybe turning a corner a bit. And because look, you go back to the beginning of the season. In some ways, it sounds ridiculous to say Florida could allow could have lost to South Florida <laughs> early in the season uh, that they scored late and, and South Florida was putting together a drive uh, that late in that game, but Florida comes out with the victory. Uh, and, you know, that's how bad we have seen this Florida team. And then you kind of fast forward and it was more about putting together some consistent performances. Uh, you had the bye week, you played Georgia. Look, if you had went into that bye week, Florida probably did figure some things out on offense, on defense during that bye week. You weren't going to see it versus Georgia. <laughs> you just weren't going to. Uh, and then we didn't think we were going to see it. First half, Texas A&M. Texas A&M comes out, scores 24 points on this Florida defense. And it's just like, oh, here we go again. And that's the last time Florida's given up a point. The last six quarters, they have not given up a point on defense. Wow. Uh, this massive turnaround uh, for this Florida defense. And now go back to that USF game, and uh, it was like, like it didn't matter who Florida was playing at the beginning of the year. This defense was giving up yards. So it didn't matter how bad Texas A&M's offense is. It doesn't matter how bad South Carolina's offense is. But this, this Florida defense up until six quarters ago was awful. One of the worst in school history. Definitely one of the worst in the country. But these last six quarters, they're getting after the quarterback. They're playing smarter, uh, creating a ton of turnovers. I think eight in the last three games. Uh, so you've seen this Gator defense. Uh, they've been, been able to create turnovers all year. Uh, but it's now just a lot of smart play. Uh, and lo and behold, kind of weird. It happens when they dismiss Brenton Cox. Uh, you think they'd get worse, but they've actually gotten better uh, since then. So with this defense, it's just maybe they have turned the corner. Maybe they have figured some things out as we head into the last month of the season. You kind of led perfectly into uh, what I wanted to ask about here, which is the trend developing in Florida's defense and the performance they had against South Carolina on that side of the ball. I, I referenced this guy in this account, SEC StatCat. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he tracks uh, play disruption and disruptive plays. And I think it was something like 22% of South Carolina's offensive plays uh, Florida disrupted. Um, so who are some of those guys that as of late have been performing well? I would assume it's, you know, a lot of that front seven, but who are some yeah. of those guys causing that disruption specifically? Yeah, well, maybe, yeah. maybe the 500 pounder. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that. Yes, Des Watson made a lot of highlights last week yeah. with yes, he the, did. Uh, the, the strip uh, and rumbling for about nine yards. And uh, I, <laughs> I saw credit, a lot credit, of videos credit. with yeah. edits to that, uh, that clip all around Twitter. Credit to Spencer Rattler because I'm moving out of the way if that guy's running at me. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go there with that one. But, uh, yeah, so Des Watson there. But it, it's been more – I mentioned Britton Cox getting dismissed, and it's been who stepped up for him. Antoine Powell Ryland was getting some playing time uh, when Britton Cox was playing, but he's been the guy to really step in for Britton Cox. And the performance he has put together the last couple of weeks – 
he wasn't doing that when he was splitting time with Britton Cox. And now he's just come out. He's got, I think, a sack in the last couple of – one sack each in the last couple of games. And then you've had other guys who just kind of stepped up their play as well. Uh, Princely Human Mielin, uh, he, he had a nice sack last week. He's been able to step up at one of the defensive end spots. Jervon Dexter, who maybe has not lived up to that five-star potential that we put on uh, and maybe first-round draft pick we've put on uh, toward the beginning of this year, but he's played better the last couple of games. I mean, like you said, uh, Will, everybody has really stepped up, and it's really been up front uh, for this Gator this Gator front uh, and, and for this Gator defense. And that linebacker, they are led. This whole defense is led by uh, Ventrell Miller, um, who he, he uh, got injured earlier this year. Wasn't sure if he was going to play in the Tennessee game. Goes out there and gives it his all. He's getting cortisone shots probably during the game. Goes out there and gives it his all. And Florida's still in that game pretty late uh, after a pretty good comeback. Uh, and he was supposed to miss some time. Like when he got hurt, I was told behind the scenes, yeah. hey, he's probably he's probably going to miss a month. And he hasn't missed a game. Uh, so credit to him uh, there for Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie, who uh, the much maligned um, Amari Bernie. His fifth year, he's been he was a Dan Mullen recruit. Dan Mullen's first year. Uh, he had the game-winning interception versus Utah, and he's been in on on uh, I think four or five turnovers this, himself this year uh, at the linebacker spot. So it really has been Florida's front seven that has made the big difference uh, in, in, in the past couple games. And on the back end, they're just playing better uh, as well. They're, they're not giving up the big plays. Um, they don't give up a ton of big plays, but there were just pockets of of the big plays. They've completely shut that down the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, and before we go over to Trevor, I know he's got a couple here. Uh, I always like to ask, because you get a different perspective when you truly follow a team from preseason all the way through you know, summer ball, all the way through fall camp, go into the year. It's a different perspective than just looking at Florida and saying they're 6-4 and four going into the last two games of the season. How are Florida fans feeling about where Billy Napier has this team, about where this offense is sitting? Because I know they're trending up in the right direction, but a lot of times you can look at that schedule and say, Maybe it's competition level, like like mm. you've mentioned. But, I mean, I think there's probably a big opportunity here in the last two weeks for Florida to trend in, in either direction. But I'm kind of curious where the Florida fan base is kind of sitting. Right. You know, you were you were 4-4 four and four coming off the Georgia game. You looked at that uh, the last part of the season in Florida. Uh, I said before the season, Florida has to end the season 3-0. and And that meant beating South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Florida State. Uh, well, the way Texas A&M was playing, all right, well, now you need to end the season four, though, <laughs> because uh, even though Florida was playing bad, they weren't playing as bad as Texas A&M. So, right, hey, there's a chance to go four, no. <laughs> and then now you probably got to switch it a little bit. Okay, maybe FSU's not the shoe-in win that we thought coming into the season. Uh, you probably switch Texas A&M and FSU just a bit now. Uh, you know, so we'll see. But, yeah, a lot of Florida – I mean, you go and look at the schedule. Utah still has a chance to win the Pac-12 uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, and then Kentucky, yeah, they have fallen, but they're still a good team. Yeah, it, it, they're not Kentucky 2018. They're not Kentucky the last few years, but there's, they're still they're not they're not doormat Kentucky that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you've played Tennessee, you've played Georgia. You guys know how that is too. Uh, you know, and so it's. It's just part of schedule. And then Florida, for whatever reason, of course, had to be the igniter for LSU's big run. That was the first time they've really come out. And Jaden Daniels, that was his coming out party when when LSU traveled to the swamp. And LSU's kind of been on fire ever since then. So it's been a very tough schedule for Florida. You know, they didn't catch a really they didn't really catch a break <laughs> with Brian Kelly first year LSU. Uh, he, he brought it to the swamp, and LSU has just been uh, running roughshod there. So that Florida's 
played three teams. They're in a college football playoff race right now. Uh, so going into the last month of the season, Billy Napier can build a lot of goodwill uh, by going 4-0 to end the season and getting a big win over rival FSU. If there's one thing so far this year, I, t- I mentioned the defense. Maybe coming around now, but Florida hasn't. Florida's lost to the rivals this year. They've lost to they've lost to Tennessee. They've lost to LSU. They've lost to Georgia. There's one more chance to get a win over a rival in FSU uh, next Friday. Trevor, take it away. Awesome. Hey, Dave. Once again, thank you for joining us. Um, quick question about, um, particularly on Florida's defensive side, playing a lot of underclassmen, which I think is really interesting. Um, one that's particularly interesting to me is Miguel Mitchell in the secondary. Um, obviously hasn't had the ability to have a crazy amount of playing time because Dean and Torrance seem to have those two safety positions locked down. Um, but he seems to be playing really, really good football, not incredibly uh, highly recruited. Um, I think I read that he wasn't even offered by Florida um, until Billy Napier came along. Um, sort of talk about him and what uh, freshmen or underclassmen on this team um, sort of, you thought kind of flew in the radar, flew under the radar, maybe fall and spring has really, really shown himself come this season. Uh, yeah, Miguel Mitchell uh, has he's he's caught my eye uh, a lot too as a young guy, and really was instrumental in Florida's uh, one of one of Florida's turnovers uh, last week. Uh, helped uh, make a tackle uh, there along with Rashad Torrance. Rashad Torrance ends up covering the fumble there for Florida. I think that was the first of three straight turnovers uh, to start the second half versus South Carolina last week. And Miguel Mitchell is a young, is a young player uh, and getting his time and making the most of it. Uh, I'd like I, I would like to see him more out there and. Thought we probably would see him more because of the way the defense was playing. Rashad Torrance wasn't necessarily playing all that good. Trey Dean wasn't necessarily playing all that good, but they've all elevated their play uh, lately. And Miguel Mitchell is in that uh, as well. But I think if you want to go underclassmen, if you want to look at freshmen, you go to the other side of the ball and it's running back Trevor Etienne. Uh, complete surprise uh, with the production that we have seen from him. I mean, the very first depth chart of the season comes out. And we thought we had Florida's running back depth chart figured out pretty much. We thought it was going to be um, Montreal Johnson, who came over from Billy Napier uh, from Louisiana. And we pretty much knew uh, Naquan Wright was going to be in the mix. And then, lo and behold, we get Trevor Etienne third on the depth chart, not Lorenzo Lingard. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, first game. First Utah, you see it. His first carry, I think, goes for 17 yards. And it's like, maybe we know right away why, why he's on the field. And he's done nothing but live up to what we saw in that first game. He had as long he had an 85-yard run uh, last week for a touchdown versus South Carolina. Uh, he's just been a complete surprise at the running back position there for the Gators as a true freshman. Just one-two punch now with him and, and Montreal Johnson. Uh, they ran for over 300 yards last week combined to, to both those guys. And I mentioned the 85-yard run last week the ETN. So yeah, Florida's getting a lot of true uh a lot of true freshmen in, in the mix too. Caleb Douglas at wide receiver lately as well has stepped up the last couple of games uh with some injuries Florida's been dealing with at the receiver position. So uh, I actually asked Napier about that this week is hey guys have gotten hurt or you either dismissed like Brenton Cox and you've had young guys step up ready to go and they've produced at the same time. Uh, and that probably goes back to Florida's kind of philosophy in fall camp of everybody gets reps. You never know when that name's going to be called. The way they cycle guys in and out of practice, everybody's going to get reps. And I think we see that play out on the field with true freshmen and young guys out there producing. All right, Dave. Yeah. Uh, 
Let's close it out here with your prediction. I always like to get, um, you know, everybody's guest prediction. You are able to give one. You're not employed by Florida or anything like that. <laughs> so uh, you are able to give it. So let, let's hear it. Vandy, Florida, early kickoff. It's going to be cold. What, what do you think it's Saturday? Um, I got pretty high on Florida now. So I, I, I got 47-20 Florida. Uh, I'm, 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 mm. I'm a believer in this offense right now, the way Florida's uh, just been running the ball. Uh, I think that with the weather, I think Florida should be able to continue running the ball. Uh, they've run the ball really well all season, and particularly the last couple of weeks as well. And that's what we were looking at coming into this November schedule. Hey, Texas A&M can't stop the run. South Carolina can't stop the run. Vanderbilt can't stop the run. Go do what you do best uh, and go run the ball. And this defense hey, hasn't given up a point in six quarters, I think uh, – uh, Vanderbilt's going to score. I don't think I don't think Florida's going to go another four quarters without, without giving up points. Uh, but uh, I do think Florida's kind of feeling it right now going into the game in Nashville. All right, there it is from David Waters. He covers Florida for Gator uh, Gators Breakdown. You can follow him on Twitter at Gator Dave underscore SEC. Uh, Dave, are you headed up here, or uh, are you going to stay down there in the 80-degree, 70-degree weather in Florida? I'm not. It's actually going to be a little cold here, too, but uh, cold for here and up there is a lot different. Uh, but, no, <laughs> if we've had so many home games this season at the beginning of this season. I was like, I, I, I've got to take a breather. <laughs> so uh, I won't be making the trip to Nashville this year. Well, we'll see how the Gators uh, fare this uh, Saturday. Dave, thanks for checking in. Hey, guys, thank you so much for having me.